Sammy actually inspired me a little bit for this episode because he took this really cool class in the spring on podcast storytelling, which is actually pretty different from what we've been doing. Um, it doesn't really fit with most of our main episodes, but I think it's a really interesting style, and so I'm going to give it a shot with this episode. We'll see how it goes. If you don't like it, you can get mad, and that's okay. This week, I had the amazing opportunity to talk to a woman by the name of Sequoia, who is also a freshman or rising sophomore at Stanford. Sequoia is really just a force on campus in so many different ways. She made a whole documentary. About 100 people showed up to come and watch it, and that documentary was on black beauty on Stanford's campus. So Sequoia is just like a truly, she's an artist, but she's just one of those artists who gets it done and has this vision and doesn't really sacrifice it for anything else. So this week, I think what we want to get into a little more is what it's like to be mixed race today and like how, how do standards of beauty play into that. And this connects in some pretty interesting ways, I think, to masculinity, which is our topic, especially in terms of beauty and how sort of the way that masculinity impacts our perceptions of beauty, how that ties into race and how that affects the daily lives of so many different people. Hope y'all enjoy. Keep on rocking in the free mind. Yeah, go ahead, go and do what you want. Live free, do what you want. Ride around town, ride a bike or sign. Stay carefree, live life some. Man, I know how the time stay putting you down. Hey, Sequoia, thanks so much for being with us today. Or I guess just me, Sammy's not here. But real quick, before we get into sort of the meat of this interview, I was just wondering for context, like how do you identify how has that affected the way you lived? Yeah, so I identify as black. Uh-huh. I have, I'm mixed race, so I have a white mom and a black dad. My dad's from St. Lucia, um, and then he lived a lot of his youth in London and then moved to the States where he met my mom. Um, but I tend to just identify as black. Mm. I don't really talk about being like biracial unless like it's asked about, mm. um, but yeah. How mixed race groups are allowed to identify has historically in the U.S. been a topic of huge contention. Going all the way back to the one drop rule, which said that even one drop of so-called black blood, which as we know isn't really, you know, a biological thing, was enough to make someone be legally black in eras of segregation. And that's what we've sort of seen that carry through to today. Or some mixed race groups identify as multiracial at a rate as low as 30%. And that's sort of a really important, interesting legacy. So Sequoia will tell us a little more about how that plays out. What made you make that decision? Um, For me, I just think there's a lot of richness in the side of like my identity. That is like the person of color side, I guess. Um, to the point where I felt like it was kind of like erasing my blackness by wanting to like justify, be like, oh, I'm also white. Like I'm not just this, especially because as someone who like certain times of the year, it's a bit more evident that I'm not full black and people always be like, oh, like, what are you? Or like, what are you mixed with? And like for so long, just wanting to like not have to deal with that Mm. um, and not be associated with a lot of the like 
bad stuff that just comes with like wanting to want pe- wanting people to know that you're also white or like things like that. Right. Um, so it just I just feel most comfortable around the black community. And I mean, when I walk down the street, people aren't about to hand me some white privilege. <laughs> so I'm not about to, <laughs> right. not about to necessarily claim that. Um, but yeah, at the same time, I'm like, I'm very proud of like who my mom is and like love that side of my family as well. So I just tend to identify as black. This tension that Sequoia mentioned between her identity as fully black and her heritage as half black and half white or mixed is a tension that's pretty common in a lot of multiracial people's lives. And even for me as a person who identifies as multiracial, I will catch myself in situations saying my Indian ass or things like that. Um, and it's very easy, I think, for that sort of tension to pop up in some pretty unexpected places. And one of those places is actually familiar relationships. It's been historically, according to Michelle Elam, who's a Stanford professor, white parents of multiracial children who have been pushing for things like the ability to check more than one racial box on the census. Um, And in fact, there's a lot of tension between different facets of minority communities on how, like what the most acceptable way is for kids to um, identify. And so what I wanted to know from Sequoia was whether her identity as pretty much unapologetically black affected her relationship with her white mother and how she navigated that. Do you feel like identifying that way like makes you closer or less close with like either side of your family or um, is it like really affected at all? Yeah, I mean it's been a hot topic lately with my mom mm. just because as I started becoming more like politically inclined once I hit like 15, 16, we started having like very intense conversations that we had never had before about like colorism was a big one, um, white privilege was a big one, the Black Lives Matter movement was a big one, and this whole idea that like even though we have like the same DNA, my life experience is completely different than hers just because right. of how we look. Um, and that's been a hard thing for her to deal with. So she's gotten better at like listening. Um, and it's, it's made me more attentive to how I say things and the way I say things because there are people who I love very much who don't understand. And it's like just taking the time, the energy to make them understand. And that's what I try to do more rather than to be so quick to be like, oh, someone's ignorant. Like, right. like a white person is so ignorant. I'm more inclined to be like, okay, like let's have a conversation from this. Like meeting where they are. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but it's, it's been a journey for sure. And then in terms of my dad's side of my family, um, I think if anything, they want me to embrace my like island side more mm. because like I am black, but like I am like island. Right. I'm from, um, St. Lucia, my family is, so getting more in touch with that culture. I've never been, but I'm planning to go in November and like see my grandparents and everything. But it's not just parents. When someone else knows your background, it could completely change the way you fit into their life and their perception of you. How do you feel like other people view you and how does that affect your like day to day? Um, I mean, I think it's the classic like trope of Sometimes I feel like I don't fit into either side mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, I think a lot of the things I talk about, like being an artist, the majority of my art centers around black women in particular and black female experiences. And um, even just at my screening, and my mom had flown out to see it. Oh yeah, I almost forgot. Sequoia's a f***ing badass. Her documentary 
is one of the most it's not it's, this isn't some amateur documentary this is a professional this thing is professional quality she went around and interviewed tons of women of color on Stanford's campus to get sort of this full rich complete picture of what that experience is like because of that she's become an almost ideological figure on campus or like she's all her name almost represents this belief system or set of like beautiful ideals and I'm stuck I'm very open with like my values and like what I think is important and very strong with like my political ideals and people were very surprised that I had a white mom they were like what when they saw her they're like I can't I did not expect that because of just like all the things you care about so I think um sometimes I'm hesitant to let people like know about my background before they know about me because I don't want them to think I'm like less down or right whatever um but I think as I'm getting older I'm starting to care less about that because mm. I'm my own person um because my background but also without my background so yeah but I think it's just sometimes it's hard for people to place me or like put me in a certain box um I tend to have friends from like various different communities um so I just think sometimes I'm hard it's hard for people to compartmentalize me which can be frustrating so, yeah. <laughs> I remember when people, when, like, my friends here first met my mom, who's white, mm-hmm. they were like, are you adopted? Yeah, that yeah. that was the grocery store when I was little. Oh, little girls sure. would come up and be like, is that your babysitter? I was like, no. no. <laughs> That's my whole mother. <laughs> my whole mom. Stories like this are pretty common among mixed people. I have an early childhood memory of a TSA agent asking me whether my own mother was kidnapping me. But a far more potentially problematic set of stories that's held in the mixed community and especially among mixed women has to do with love and romance and how the mixed body is seen in that light. I think I got very passionate about colorism the summer coming in to my to Stanford because over the summer, I had, like, kind of started talking to this guy, this, like, black guy. And I was like, oh, he's, like, cute. He's fun, whatever. Like, a little summer ting before college. For sure. Um, <laughs> and he, I remember, like, after, like, a month or so of talking to him, he was like, you have to know, like, you're so fine. Like, you're so beautiful. Like, you, like, your hair is not too curly and you're light skinned. So, like, how could you not expect, like, guys to hit on you? And I remember, like, I felt so like uncomfortable first of all with the statement and then I had to have like that uncomfortable conversation of like like you saying that to me as a, and like him being like why I just called you pretty but I'm like you're calling right. me pretty because I, I don't look all the way black to you and like of the part of me that I love the most about myself is like the part you're trying to erase and like this whole awkward conversation with this guy I barely knew and then after that I realized like how much of a responsibility I have in that issue and it's not enough to just like let people say things and move on and be like okay whatever it's not enough to let like people with darker skin be the only ones voicing the issue in that and I've had since I've come to Stanford many of those conversations with many boys about like you calling me that isn't cute you saying that isn't cute you thinking that isn't cute um and I think that was kind of the genesis of my documentary as well which I think the message got across for the men who were there and saw it so I think that just moment in particular was the first time that had ever happened to me and since then I've done a lot of reflecting and taking in that responsibility that I have. Wow, that's so incredible that you like just went out and did that. <laughs> my mom was joking. She was like, my kid is so funny. If she has like sadness about something, she just makes it into an art project. And I was like, that's all I know how to do. I don't have time for therapy. <laughs> that's a pretty good outlet. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is. I was like, I would just sit in the editing room for like five hours and like, 
I feel like I just like had a child and just sent her away. Like it's so weird. Aww. But it's done. Yes. What do you yeah. think you've learned like, mo like through like that documentary you're making process? Like what were like your biggest lessons or takeaways? Um that it's so important to like take care of yourself, I guess. And I think a lot of that comes from like how we identify as people and like what what we see to be as beautiful, what we see to be as smart, especially at Stanford. There's such a, like, I asked all the girls, like, what is a Stanford student to you? And when they described it, it was girls that, or students that didn't look like them or didn't have the same background as them. And just realizing that, like, there's so much more to your identity and people are going to tell you that they love this part of your identity, that they hate this part of your identity, blah, 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 especially here because there's so many different types of people. Right. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter as long as, like, you're utilizing your background to inform like positive decisions going forward so i think it would be very easy for me to just be like oh this isn't an issue or like when i get compliments like that be like oh my gosh i'm let me let me bask in that and just like love that and like reward those comments and even though it's been harder for me to have especially with like men like good relationships mm -hmm. here i think it's been important for moving forward so i think just like being accountable for yourself and your community um, whether it be a homogenous background, heterozygous one, just it's a big responsibility, but it's important. Right. Yes. <laughs>portray them to an audience in a way that they can understand and shift their viewpoint is so powerful and necessary. We can talk all day about how important it is to meet people where they are, have these conversations, but really without art that depicts the beauty in these struggles and the real effects on people's daily lives in ways that you may not, that may get lost in broader conversations, that's what's beautiful. And that's what can teach people to change. But not only teach others, but teach yourself how to love yourself and take care of yourself and show through beautiful depictions that there are others like you who are feeling the same way. This incredible vision of Sequoias was just super powerful to me. And so I really wanted to know where she planned on taking it next. I definitely see myself. I have always known I was going to be like an actor. I went to like art school for seven years to be a freaking like actor or whatever. And oh, I was no like, way. Yeah, I went to art school sixth through 12th grade. It's like, that's why I'm so weird. People, <laughs> people are always like, I did not, based on how you look, I did not expect that personality. And I'm like, uh, can't help it at this point. Um, but once I came, I almost went to a BFA acting program at Carnegie. And oh, really? I, yes, I really almost took a completely different path. Wow. And then I was like, no, let me come to Stanford and, like, first of all, get this free education. Second of all, <laughs> like, like, f around with, like, what, like, mess around with, I don't know, different resources. Fine. <laughs> so oh, my gosh. I, I got, um, I got here, and then I, this is my RBA is about, too. It's about film and the way black bodies are represented visually in film. And I was like, okay like it's really great for me to want to be a performer and I still want to do that but what we really need are more like black women writing stories more mm. black women making stories and even though it's hard and not necessarily the most fun thing to do it's so important so I was like okay I'm gonna become a filmmaker and I could be multifaceted and act and make my own films and everything like that so that's definitely where I see it going I just want to make a bunch of content um focusing primarily on the faces I would have loved to have seen growing up and I needed to see growing up um 
FUBU, for us, by us. We need more of that. So, yeah. Wow. That's a vision. I yes. love that. It's a vision. We'll see. Thank you so much for this. Oh, my God. No worries. I really appreciate it. It's, like, so cool because, like, you just know so much about this shit. I, I just think about it a lot. I like lay in my bed at night. I'm like, oh. oh so this is like, this is what gives you nightmares. It gives me nightmares. Like, so when I wake up, I sleep paralysis. It's like someone being like, racial politics. And I'm like, <laughs> Thank you all so much for listening in today. And thank you so much to Sequoia for getting interviewed. You know, I actually interviewed her. This was actually a few months ago for... A project I was doing for one of my classes and I just texted her and I was like hey I think this is really really relevant to what Sammy and I are trying to do do you mind if I use it and she was like yeah of course so it was really awesome so thank you so much for talking to me thank you so much for letting me use this again and thank you so much for being who you are and keep doing the great work that you do if there's anything I want you guys to take away from this week's episode it's that if you aren't telling your own story someone else will be. If you're not telling your own story, someone else will be. And I think that's so important. I think Sequoia shows how important that is. She said, you know, for us, by us. That's, and that's so important, especially for black women and mixed women. But I think it's really important for what Sammy and I are trying to do with masculinity as well. Whether it's masculinity and sort of the toxic effect it can have, but also the beauty that's carried within it, or issues with being a black woman on Stanford's campus, or whatever it is, right? There are always so many different perspectives, and it's not about making yourself feel like you're right all the time, because you're not going to be. It's about meeting people where they are, and sharing your experiences, and the experiences of others. And so, I think Sequoia's documentary is a really good example of this, and I think art in general and media in general, whether it's podcasts or documentaries or whatever, can have such an important impact on this. Uh, I'm talking to Sequoia right now to see if her thing is online because I know she was talking about it but hadn't done it. If it is, I'll put the link in the description of this podcast. You should all go check it out. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, if you're not telling your own story, someone else will. Yeah, that's where we at with it. Take it to the top Just cause you are character Don't mean you have character You take a stock right now You ready? Let's go A wise man know what he know And what he doesn't If he's not really sure what he's saying He, he don't, don't discuss, discuss it. it A righteous man walks the earth without judgment And loves his enemies enough to deliver justice A pious man relies on religion for his direction At times he introspective But his bible he'll never question Dying man will make a confession, try to get into heaven, thinking his lifestyle is blocking his blessing. Violent man will stock up a weapons and go to war for his, get post-traumatic stress disorder, become an officer. A man of peace uses his words in different mediums, he'll bleed for his beliefs, practices civil disobedience. An honest man knows only liars scared of the truth. His word is his bond, but his actions always the proof. A faithful man never need evidence to believe, but still he gotta work for the blessings that he receives. Let's go.
basement. All the nights that we were lacking those refreshments. Rain down, thunderstorm with the flows. Articulate with a bounce now. Back like I'm Derrick Rose. What's the one on the bench with the snotty nose? Nefertiti will hold me when I would cold. Communion Sunday, my 20s went in the bowl. Forgive me, love for them the night before. Business deals in the Bentleys I can't afford. Gotta be the example for children to do their chores. Blowing we smoke on the cover of the source. Rolling stones on the throne, it was the boss. Falling soldier on the own, so we march. Roll up a bag of that weed, therefore I spark. Recite the Quran, I'm in the dark. Devil knocking at my door, he like a knock. What I see in you, so you might as well believe in you. Think what you see on TV true, the media deceiving you. They misrepresenting, misquoting, the name misleading you. Belief is a funny thing, in case you're wondering if they want the ring, they coming for the throne like they the sons of kings. These savage rappers is acting up for the dough. Yeah, I tell you what I believe, but I back it up with what I know. It's the facts versus the facsimile, your rap's killing me. My last victory was great moments in black history. I celebrated with a bottle I just brought back from Italy and some loud. I got super packs like a back Hillary. Lost in desire, I walk through the devil's fire. I inspire the resurrection of kings like Hezekiah. The trust you put in me to be a beast with this rhyme. And it's where the rubber meets the road and where your faith meets science. Let's go. Take it to the top. Take it to the top. Take it to the top.